Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Well, you know, in the two and a half years that you and I have been doing this, sitting down every Saturday and gathering together and having a little conversation, we have covered some pretty controversial topics. We've talked about uh, abortion. We've talked about euthanasia, uh, the death penalty. We've talked about uh, immigration. We've talked about uh, sexual orientation and identity. Uh, we've talked about all kinds of things. And I, I, I'm going to guess that nothing that we've talked about is as dangerous, as much as a third rail for, for me, as uh, what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> Aren't you excited? Yeah, today we're going to be talking about the uh, the 500th anniversary, which is coming up, of the Protestant Reformation. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I see. I grew up Protestant, and uh, a lot of my friends and family are still Protestant. Uh, and so, this is not a topic that I really like to talk about a whole lot. However, it's coming up. It is coming up on uh, October 31st of of this. Uh, this year, 500 years. And there's a lot of uh, topics about a lot of conversation going on uh, around the world regarding this because it is a significant event. It's not one that I necessarily want to celebrate, uh, but it is one that I can commemorate. I can look at, I can pay attention to, and I can, uh, I can be informed about. And so we're going to talk about this. Uh, I came across on social media, a podcast that my cousin is putting out. And uh, it's going to be 10 weeks long talking about uh, the Protestant Reformation. I'm very excited about this because even though I grew up in the Protestant church, I don't necessarily know a whole lot about uh, that period in history. Uh, I've got some basic ideas and some uh, basic understanding, but, but not enough to really hold my own in a conversation. So I saw that this podcast was coming out. I'm not really a big podcast guy. I know that that may seem strange because I sit here and I talk to you on the radio uh, every week, and then I podcast it after the fact, but I only have maybe one or two podcasts that I listen to personally. And so I saw this coming up, and this was something that uh, I feel is going to be very beneficial to me as I prepare to have conversations with other others who are interested in this uh, this momentous occasion. Uh, because there are a lot of people who are going to be celebrating it. There, there's going to be plenty of opportunity to have a conversation. And, and it's important that we go into these conversations prepared, because if we, if we don't, if we're just going based off of our reactions, then what we're going to end up with is not a productive conversation, but rather a uh, he said, she said, point fingers, and nobody leaves edified and everybody leaves upset. So we want to be prepared because these conversations are opportunities. They're opportunities for, for you and me, if we're prepared, to sit down and really break into what it is that separates us. What is the difference between being a Catholic and being a Protestant? Uh, we need to focus on those things that, are, that, that we have unity in uh, because those are common ground. Those are good starting places for conversation. But at the same time, we're going to do a compare and a contrast. We need to look at what it is that unites us so that we have things in proper perspective. But we ought to have uh, some semblance of an understanding of what is the difference theologically, philosophically, between the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church so that we can have intelligent and 
respectful conversations with those who are near and dear to us. So we're going to be talking later in the show with my cousin. Uh, I've talked about him here on the show before, Father Peter Mangum. Uh, he is the rector of the Cathedral of St. John Berkman's in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. And he was my catalyst into the church. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about that uh, in the in the special segment, unbroadcast segment that's going to appear on uh, on our Patreon page. You can find that by going over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link. I'll have a little bit of a, a reminiscing time with him there. Uh, but basically, anytime I had a question, uh, sometimes antagonistic, sometimes just really curious, I would, I would go to him and I would say, so, uh, so I, don't, I don't understand this. Tell me about XYZ, praying to the saints, uh, transubstantiation, whatever the case is. I would come to him and he would give an answer and it would make sense. Uh, and, and I couldn't really argue with it. And so, I, and then he, he did things. He also planted seeds. He went looking for fights. Uh, I, when I enrolled in seminary in the Protestant seminary in Kentucky, uh, I got a postcard from my, from my cousin, from father Peter. And it said, congratulations on entering seminary. Perhaps one day we'll call you father Tim. And I'm like, no, never going to happen. <laughs> but he would do that. He would find these opportunities, whether he was, uh, at the, uh, he was there for the the smoke for for Pope Benedict. He sent me a a postcard from Rome with the seat of a canta stamp, uh, and things like that. He would find ways to talk about faith to to keep faith in the middle of our conversation, and that availability and that planting of the seeds and that respectful dialogue, even if I was maybe a little less than respectful in my questioning, that's what ultimately drew me into the church. Uh, it, there certainly there were other people involved with it. Certainly there were other people who walked with me on my journey into the church. But I can say definitively that that his involvement in my life and the way that he interacted uh, was key in me finding a home in the Catholic Church. Now, I, I, we're going to talk about the, the Reformation, and I think that it's important to understand that uh, people who are Protestant today, many of them have no clue about the Reformation. They have an understanding of, of what they believe the Reformation was about, uh, but generally it's not accurate. And I say that because mine certainly wasn't accurate. Uh, I understood at the time that, uh, that my faith as a Methodist at the time uh, was what came out of the Reformation. Now, obviously I knew that that it came through a different branch. It came through the Anglican branch. But I didn't realize how much my own faith tradition, that own denomination, had changed since the Reformation. There, there's just a, a, a changing landscape that, that moves faster than you can even imagine. There's such upheaval uh, going on. The tectonic plates of polity are constantly shifting in the Protestant church uh, that would make your head spin. So much so that that most Protestants don't realize how drastically different their own faith tradition was just a couple of hundred years ago. Uh, so, for instance, you may have seen the the books Left Behind, right? The Left Behind books, all these books about prophecy and whatnot, about the end time and the rapture, where uh, all all Christians are caught up into heaven and uh, and all non Christians are left on earth. Well, that. That specific belief. Now we're not talking about the resurrection here. Not not that's not what's in the creed. We're talking about 
the the taking away from this place um, all of uh, all all Christians and and it's different because we believe in the second coming. You and I and people say, "Oh, Jesus is coming again," and we're like, "Absolutely, I believe that. I I confess that. I I uh, stand by that." But the rapture isn't Jesus coming again. It's Jesus coming again and leaving again, and then we have to wait for him to come again uh, for the end of old days. And so this belief in the rapture is only about 200 years old. It's very, very recent theology. Uh, And, you know, the early church never believed it. They believed that Christ was coming again, absolutely. But it looked a very different from modern belief in uh, in the rapture that you see in Protestant circles. And so uh, you've got all, a lot of these kinds of things where certain theologies and beliefs popped up in the last couple of hundred years, and those that hold them really believe that, that those are ancient beliefs. Uh, and, and so for me— uh, Part of the reason I came into the Catholic Church was under coming to understand what I call the inertia of history, and I I don't know some someone else may have used that term. I never heard that term. I just decided that it fit. And what I believe the inertia of history is is I have this belief. Uh, maybe it's a a belief of what a certain passage of Scripture says. Maybe it's a, a belief in the communion of saints or the resurrection of the dead. Then I have to ask the question. What did the church believe about this belief um, 500 years ago? Let's just go back there because that's at the time of the Reformation. That's what we're talking about here. And and does it match what I profess today? Now, we can't stop there because the church is older than this. So then I need to go back uh, 700 years and then 1,000 years and then uh, 1,500 years, 1,700 years, 2,000 years. How has that belief... uh, changed or not changed over that length of time? And does what the church says about this specific thing match what I say about this specific thing? There's this great uh, app out there today. You can get it on your smartphone called the Catina. And it's based on a a commentary put together by uh, St. Thomas Aquinas and Blessed John Henry Newman, where they took statements of the church fathers and they lined them up against the Gospels. Well, this little app on the phone actually has the whole of Scripture, where they compile different uh, different church fathers' commentaries on Scripture to help you as you're reading Scripture. What did the fathers say about this? How does my understanding of the Scripture line up with the inertia of history? And it's in when we stay in that inertia of history, when we stay in the middle of that current, that we are the safest, because we know if we're staying with the mind of the church, we're not going to be carried away by, uh, by strange new doctrines or myths. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Father Peter Mangum. He's the, the rector of St. John Berkman's Cathedral in Shreveport. We're going to talk about this new podcast of his that talks about the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. It's going to be a great conversation. Join me over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on our daily lives. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and today we are talking about the Protestant Reformation. We're talking about the commemorating the 500th anniversary. Of course, I, I, I grew up in the Protestant church, and so for me, it's not really a celebration, uh, but I am going to commemorate it because it's an, a very significant moment in the life of Christendom, specifically, that's impacted the church for the last uh, half a millennia. So today we are talking with uh, with Father Peter Mangum. He's the rector of the Cathedral of St. John Berkman's in the Diocese of Shreveport. He also, you may have heard his name on this show before, he was my confirmation sponsor. Uh, he was my extended RCIA director because anytime I had a question growing up about Catholicism, I would uh, find myself in his uh, proximity. He was the, the Catholic that I knew, uh, and I would challenge him, and he would always come back with these uh, very reasoned, rational, dispassionate answers that I couldn't really disagree with. And that ultimately is what brought us into the church. And I had that access to him because he is first and foremost my cousin. So, Father Peter Mangum, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Timothy. Great to be with you. So I, I've been following your your churches, your your the cathedral's Facebook page for some time, and recently I saw this this video of you uh, sitting in a in a studio, much like the one I'm in here right now. And you were talking about this podcast that's going to be coming up in uh, the beginning of September, uh, 10-week podcast. And I have to admit, even though I have a radio show, I generally don't pay attention to other podcasts. I've got a couple that I listen to, but not many. But this one piqued my interest because uh, it's you sitting down and talking about, for 10 weeks, talking about the Protestant Reformation and how it impacts us. So first of all, uh, talk to us a little bit about where this idea came from to to do the podcast, to get it out there, uh, and what you hope to accomplish with it. Well, I am speaking to you from the Cathedral of St. John Berkman. It's in Shreveport, Louisiana. Many people think of Louisiana as being an exceedingly Catholic state. Well, the southern part certainly is, but the northern part um, is well, we're part of the Bible Belt, and many people around here, churches, they've been talking a lot about the upcoming, quote-unquote, celebration of the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. And so here I am thinking, well, yeah, I mean, this is something we, as Catholics, obviously cannot celebrate, but, you know, we shouldn't ignore it either. This is a, a, a great opportunity to to teach, to catechize, to inform, well, yeah, my own parishioners, but um, any other Catholic and non-Catholic alike who happens to to tune in. So, so we're doing two things actually here at the cathedral. Um, one, we have this really great adult faith formation program, all geared towards taking a look at the first fifteen hundred years of the Catholic Church. In other words, Christianity itself. Take a take a really good hard look. And yeah, hey, what what? what what led up to the cry for reform 500 years ago? Mm-hmm. And so we have a number of uh, really great uh, presenters, uh, uh, a professor from, an associate professor from uh, LSU. Uh, uh, she's a, um, uh, very well informed with regards to the history of the church and everything taking place then. So she, uh, Dr. Cheryl White, is part and parcel of this. And I mean, for example, Timothy, one of the, one of the, classes, uh, we're, we're just simply entitled The Bad Popes. <laughs> right. And, well, I mean, 
I mean, there was a need for a reform. Mm -hmm. And and how much need did we see down through the centuries? I mean, but but saints and yeah, saints have done so from within. They never sought to leave the church. And and there has been reformation from within. I mean, just look at the century before um, with St. Catherine of Siena and, and the multiple popes that that we had. But anyways, um, and then out of this whole desire to have a number of classes in a row all about this in anticipation of the 500th anniversary, then it was like, wait a minute, we have a lot more that we can say and and, and do by means of a podcast. And there was born the, the idea of turning this into a series. Mm-hmm. It'll begin on September 1st, but, um, and for 10 consecutive Fridays. And in fact, it's very intentional because the anniversary, October 31st, falls between the ninth and the 10th episode. So I'll, I'll give the kind of that perspective right as we're about to commemorate that anniversary and then just having commemorated it. And, um, so that, that's just kind of that's kind of it in a nutshell. Yeah, we're talking today with Father Peter Mangum, rector of the Cathedral of Saint John Berkman's in the Diocese of Shreveport, about his new podcast that's coming out beginning September first on the commemoration of the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And as a former Protestant myself, one of the things that uh, that I noticed in my conversations with you early on is that I understood a little bit of the. The, the praxis and the polity of my specific denomination. I, I, I understood really where the theology of the Methodist Church came from, but that wasn't uh, until 200, so nearly 300 years after the Reformation. And you end up, beyond even that, I understood Methodism from the place where I was and the church, the, the congregation that I was in, but these things have deviated just a little bit at a time from one another. And so my, my concept, even of what Protestantism was, uh, was really uh, uninformed. I didn't understand the reasons behind the Reformation. I didn't understand uh, a lot of the things that I heard about Catholic doctrine or Catholic teaching. They were incorrect. And so to hear very clearly what the Church stated and what the Church actually believed— uh, and to look back at the history of what actually spurred the uh, the Reformation and, and the arguments that they had, uh, that was just a huge eye-opener for me to see that, hey, really the church uh, is teaching the right thing. And what the Protestant reformers believed at that time uh, is very different than what the Protestant church today ascribes to. Well. Um, absolutely. My goodness. Uh, one of the things that we know just reading sacred scripture is Jesus's call for unity, that they may be one as you and I, Father, are one. And so so therefore we say that um, disunities come from our will and not God's will. So we fervently pray for Christian unity, no doubt. Mm-hmm. And and the, the um, Protestant Reformation did not indeed bring about one reformed church, as it were, what has happened? It has continued to splinter and splinter and splinter. And uh, recently I read somewhere that, that there are 40,000 identifiable uh, churches that call themselves Protestant. So, so it, it, it didn't uh, attain the goal for which it sought. Um, it, it's only continued with more and more painful divisions within the Catholic 
uh, but within uh, Christianity. So, so it's 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 definitely nothing to um, to celebrate. That's something that I've I've learned being a Catholic. And G.K. Chesterton talks a little bit about this in his 1926 essay, Conversion in the Catholic Church, is that Catholicism uh, has really, I mean, it is universal in the sense that there's a, a broad tent, that there's lots of room for theological speculation in those things that have not been determined by councils. And the fact that I may disagree with someone on a theological point does not necessitate me uh, going and starting my own new church over the color of the carpet. Uh, rather, because we are striving for unity, I can look at someone with whom I disagree on maybe a point that's substantive, uh, as, so long as it doesn't uh, contravene the, uh, the official doctrine of the church, uh, and we can have disagreement and still have fellowship. As, as we did for the first 1,500 years and have continued to do so, and even to this day, there are there's so many beautiful, wonderful ways in which we can worship our one true God— and and we see the lives of the saints and so many different paths that they illuminated for us to be able to to uh, um, continue to strive for heaven as our Lord has called us to do. Uh, that there is no one little cookie cutter way to do so. And of course, given Catholicism, take a look at all the cultures and the cultural expressions of our faith that are just unbelievably beautiful. I'm in a cathedral here with a. 5,000 plus pipe organ. Well, that's, it's just magnificent when it, it, it's going and we have our full choir singing. But if, um, if I were to go to Tanzania, East Africa, where there is no such pipe um, instrument, and yet the, their choir and the, the one, um, uh, the, the beauty of the church and expression of the faith, the same faith, the same doctrines and, and the dogmas, which, by the way, ever since the beginning of the Protestant Reformation, not a single one of them has changed. Right. I mean, the, the, there's a lot of the practices that may have gone awry but, and, and have been purified. And, and that's the whole notion of the, the church as human, but church as divine. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, where, that's where I really, and I, I just did this podcast, so it's on my, on my mind. So <laughs> it's the second in the series. And, and then I, I look forward to doing the rest, but it's um, really focusing on the whole notion of how we transcend history with the eyes of faith. Now, that's a, that's a phrase from uh, the catechism, actually. It's um, uh, paragraph 770, to transcend history with the eyes of faith. And that's what I'm going to really try to explore because the church exists both in time and also out of it. I mean, the, the, the church is temporal it's, and it's eternal. We always say visible, it's spiritual as well. Mm-hmm. And I think so much attention is just on the church visible and we forget about that, which is absolutely not changeable. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm really gonna um, hone in on that in the second yeah. of the series. We're gonna continue this conversation right after the break as we talk with Father Peter Mangum, rector of the Cathedral of St. John Berkman's in Shreveport, Louisiana, about a new podcast to help you and I prepare for conversations that we might have uh, as we approach the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation and how we together might pray for unity. We'll be right back right after this. Don't go anywhere.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and the implications of our faith in our daily lives. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today we're talking about the Protestant Reformation with my cousin, uh, who I grew up calling Father Cousin, uh, but it's Father Peter Mangum. He's the rector of the Cathedral of St. John Berkman's in the Diocese of Shreveport, and he's put together a 10-week podcast starting September 1st on the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. Father Peter, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Timothy. Great to be with you. And I'm, I'm so looking forward to launching this podcast series. I mean, it's all about a Catholic retrospective. That's, that's how I frame the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Well, we Catholics need to look back. We can't be afraid of our past. We have a beautiful past. We have a great history. And yet, yes, as we know, there are plenty of people within the church who have uh, gone astray, uh, where practices have gone awry, and, uh, and there's always that self-purification that goes on. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking right now of, of, like my, of um, uh, St. Francis of Assisi. You know, the the whole vision he had, go rebuild my church. Well, uh, there have been different times within the the life of the church in which we've needed people to stand up and say, hey, um, this is the direction we need to go in. This is what we need to focus on. And but everyone has always done so from within the church. Right. They've never tried to establish a new church, go outside of the church. And so I, I know in the Shreveport area. There's so many uh, uh, efforts to, to, as it were, celebrate the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. There's the hashtag Reformation 500 that's going on. There's even the uh, people talking in terms of reenacting the, the posting of the 95 Theses. And, you know, we're anticipating that at various churches around our diocese, mm-hmm. maybe even a, a burning of a papal bull, uh, mock papal bull. As, uh, took place when when Martin Luther was excommunicated, but but yeah, um, I, I'm I'm hoping that by discussing this, uh, more and more people will come to really truly understand the history of the church. And as Blessed Cardinal Newman said, you know, to be steeped in the uh, history of the church is is to cease to be Protestant. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. You have to be you have to be uh, Catholic. So that, that's. There are many other aspects of the podcast, but um, those are a few. Yeah. You know, uh, before the um, before the break, you mentioned there at the end that in these 500 years, none of the doctrines of the church have changed. And this may be a surprise to some folks because they, they see things like the, uh, the recent uh, justification document where the, the Lutherans and the, and the Catholics signed this joint declaration on the doctrine of justification. And so there, there's this sense of, wow, wow, they, they held out and the Catholic Church changed when in, in fact it was uh, the Lutheran Church that came back around and said, well, here's what we can agree with. Uh, and it's the thing that the Catholic Church has said all along from the beginning. Exactly. And that's, um, th- th- that's also what is bringing a number of people to the church, the very fact that when they do consider the history of Christianity as a whole, they see how we haven't swerved, how we remain steadfast to the, what the early church fathers would have talked about, for example. Um, and, and of course, one day, please, Lord, we're striving uh, for the unity with the Orthodox Church, and strides have been made uh, since Pope St. John Paul II uh, really tried uh, fervently with all of his efforts towards reunification and 
uh, Pope Benedict XVI. Wow, all the efforts he uh, did. And then Pope Francis inherited a lot of um, what, what his two predecessors did. And, and when all of a sudden the patriarch for the first time in, in a thousand years shows up to a, a papal inauguration, I mean, that was a, a pretty unprecedented, and yet the media didn't catch hold of it. And so, so there are so many efforts uh, about uh, for unification, and the one that you reference with the Lutheran Church is just one of them. And uh, Pope Benedict, he said the best form of uh, ecumenism, excuse me, um, is by remaining steadfast to the truth. Right. But we don't give in. We don't water down the faith in any way, shape, or form. But we uh, we do. Um, we state it in a, a reasoned, intelligible way. Um, we still go about our lives in a passionate, uh, very moral way, um, mm-hmm. but um, but we don't we don't water it down. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. We're talking today with Father Peter Mangum from Shreveport, Louisiana, and the unity you're talking about that Christ prayed for is not a lowest common denominator kind of unity. And for me, I think one of the things that that was a catalyst as well for me entering the Catholic Church was this this true concept of Christ desires unity. And how can I look at the, the schism that continues to happen in the churches that I grew up in, even within a denomination? Uh, and how can I look mm. at that and say that this is the unity that, that Christ wanted? And so really just looking at ourselves honestly, looking at, uh, as a Protestant, looking at what I believed honestly, looking at it against what I call the inertia of history. How, what did they believe about it 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 1,500, 2,000 years ago? How does my belief line up with that inertia of history? And am I in union with the church, or am I expecting the church to come around to see things my way with my uh, 20th century perspective? Well, and that's, uh, you, you referenced G.K. Chesterton earlier, and, and he says, uh, um, uh, so often about how it is that I don't want to belong to a church that just moves with the world. I want to belong to a church that moves the world. Mm-hmm. And and that's what we are saying that, that, that we do and, and that we need to, to sta- uh, stand up for the, the beauty of the faith and, and the truth of it and not to in any way, shape or form, water it down. It's an unbelievable, sad consequence of history. I mean, that so many people are born into a faith, um, and the the practice of a faith, the exercise of a faith outside of the the realm of the Catholic faith, and um, yet they still call God our Father. So, in, and as much as they do that, then yes, we can say, okay, we're still brothers and sisters. We want to strive for unity that 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 unity that that Christ called for, and um, and and it's something that we pray pray uh, about and. At the very beginning of this, you asked me what was one of my hopes in all of this. Well, I mean, we're um, um, in each of the episodes, I plan on very specifically highlighting different things from the Roman Missal itself, because the the church has uh, in that Roman Missal all sorts of uh, prayers, just the the, the regular prayers that we're accustomed to each Sunday and and the various seasons of the year, Advent, Christmas, Lent, Easter, etc., But in the very back, there are also beautiful votive masses and also masses uh, for all sorts of um, occasions. And one of the beautiful masses, um, actually, there's several um, possible um, 
uh, collects, for example, and prayers over the gifts, right. all about praying for Christian unity. Mm-hmm. Here's the church saying we need to offer the highest form of prayer that we have, the, uh, the, the Holy Eucharist, in order to pray for uh, the unity of the church. So I'm going to really do my best to, uh, to really make sure that people are very aware of all of those beautiful prayers. And that way I can put the whole podcast in the context of prayer and praying specifically as the church is asking us to pray that we will yet again all be one as our Heavenly Father um, wants us to be one, as Jesus Christ uh, intended it when he founded one church. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So so we don't want to, um, we're, we're just, as Catholics, we understand that the church is made perfect only by the will of God through Jesus Christ right. and the working of the Holy Spirit and not by the not by the work of human self-will. And that, that's, that's what's brought about so much division. Mm-hmm. There's almost, I mean, there's a, a Pelagian sense, not just of I can make myself better, but somehow I can make everyone else better if, I, if we can just exert ourselves properly, rather than looking to Christ and saying, hey, we, we are sinful and sorrowful and fallen, but we'll, we're willing to be used by you. Uh, Lord, help us find mm-hmm. unity. And ex- exactly. So, you know, and in that regard, we, we just kind of went from the, the church as uh, spiritual, as eternal, now the church as human. And in that sense, can can the church be an error? Well, we don't believe that um, the church can be an error, that which Jesus Christ himself intended. But there are certainly plenty of people within the context of the faith that, who can— um, who can be an error, and that's what needs to be uh, mm-hmm. purified up and down through the ages. Yeah, for all of the bad popes we've had, for all of the wicked people who may have been in leadership, never have they taught that the wickedness they were doing was was actually good. So the church has always taught truth, even as those who have led her have not always followed that truth. It's a reminder for us all that we have to strive for holiness. Now, you mentioned that you're going to close out your podcasts with a prayer for unity. Why don't you close out our conversation with one right now? Perfect. It's a beautiful prayer that we find in the Roman Missal. It's uh, from the collect of the Mass for Christian unity. So let us pray. Attend with favor to the prayers of your people, we ask, O Lord, and grant that the hearts of believers may be united in your praise and in repentance together, so that with division among Christians overcome, we may hasten with joy to your eternal kingdom in the perfect communion of the church. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. We've been talking today with my cousin, Father Peter Mangum. He's the rector of the Cathedral of St. John Berkman's in Shreveport, Louisiana, talking about this Catholic retrospective podcast that's going to be looking at the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. You can find it at sjbcathedral.org, sjbcathedral.org. Find that link also over on our social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Right after this.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on our daily lives. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. We've been talking today with Father Peter Mangum. He's the rector of the Cathedral at St. John Berkman's in Shreveport, Louisiana, about a new podcast uh, called A Catholic Retrospective. You can find it over at sjbcathedral.org. Uh, it's going to start September 1st, going to go for 10 weeks as they go into uh, into October 31st, into the, the actual anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. And it's going to be full of excellent information. Uh, I, I am going, just knowing him and the way that he answers questions and the way that he anticipates questions, uh, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be one not to miss. Uh, now, uh, I've got an extra segment with him where we just kind of uh, spend a little bit of time reminiscing, and that's going to be available to all of the people who support us through the, the Patreon platform. You can get to that over at uh, OutsideTheWalls.com. There's a little link up at the top that says uh, Patreon. If you become a patron for as little as $2 a month, you get access to all kinds of extra content. It's content that you are absolutely going to want to have at your disposal. So why don't you go over there, see what level of, uh, of reward fits you best, what level of contribution fits your budget best, and, uh, and then become a patron of the show and get all kinds of cool stuff in the process. So we're talking today about the, the Protestant Reformation, and I remember way back before I became Catholic, I wrote this blog about uh, Martin Luther, and Martin Luther and I have never really gotten along a whole lot. Uh, and one of the things that has frustrated me about Martin Luther is that, you know, he, he saw something that were some legitimate concerns. Some of his concerns were legitimate concerns. Uh, and, and he approached it in a certain way. Uh, but then when things didn't go his way, uh, he really got a little bit prideful. He got a little bit uh, rebellious in that. Went from actually pointing out some things that needed to be pointing out uh, and moving into a, a place where he left the the covering, the authority that God had placed over him. Uh, I, I kind of compared him in that blog to King David, right? So King David knew that King Saul was, uh, was wicked, and he'd seen it firsthand. I mean, he had been uh, attacked by King Saul, and, and he had been anointed to be the next king. But how did he respond uh, he had multiple opportunities to take Saul's life and to claim the throne for himself, but he said, I will not touch one hair of the Lord's anointed, right? And so he understood that even though Saul was not a great king, he was still the one that God had put in place. And so in that, in that, David showed wisdom and endured to the end and was rewarded for it, whereas I believe that uh, Martin Luther did the opposite and uh, we are still reaping the, the, the consequences of that action. Now, that's my own personal opinion. It's not the official position of the church at all, but it's my own take on, on the Reformation specifically. Now, today's reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, and I think it's going to touch a little bit on that authority that, we, that I just mentioned. Because uh, Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, 
Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And he strictly ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. And so here we have Christ bestowing on Peter authority. The keys of the kingdom are reminiscent of what happens in in the Old Testament as the kingdom of David is placed under a steward. And so we see very similar language to this in the book of Isaiah, chapter 22, verses 20 through 22, where we see Eliakim, the steward, uh, who has the keys uh, that open doors that no man may close and close doors that no man may open. So we see this this, uh, stewardship being given, stewardship of the kingdom of heaven, given to Peter uh, on behalf of the king, who is Christ. Now, the early church fathers spoke pretty vehemently about preserving unity. It was a topic addressed more than once, but one of the most substantial ones is from St. Cyprian. It's Treatise 1, and we're just going to read a little bit of that. And he, he's, uh, he's pretty, pretty uh, established in his opinion here. He says, Who, then, is so wicked and faithless? Who is so insane with the madness of discord? that either he should believe that the unity of God can be divided or should dare to rend it, the garment of the Lord, the church of Christ. He himself in his gospel warns us and teaches us, saying, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And does anyone believe that the one place there can be either many shepherds or many flocks? The Apostle Paul, moreover, urging upon us this same unity, beseeches and exhorts, saying, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no schisms among you, but that you be joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. And again, he says, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Do you think that you can stand and live if you withdraw from the church, building for yourself other homes in a different dwelling? When it is said to Rahab, in whom was prefigured the church, your father and your mother and your brethren and all the house of your father shall gather unto you into your house, and it shall come to pass, whoever shall go abroad beyond the door of your house, his blood shall be upon his own head. Also, the sacrament of the Passover contains nothing else in the law of Exodus than that the lamb which is slain in the figure of Christ should be eaten in one house. God speaks, saying, In one house shall you eat. You shall not send its flesh abroad from the house. The flesh of Christ and the holy of the Lord cannot be set abroad, nor is there any other home to believers but the one church. This home, this household of unanimity, the Holy Spirit designates and points out in the Psalms, saying, God who makes men dwell with one mind in a house, in a house of God, In the church of Christ, men dwell with one mind and continue in concord and simplicity. That reading comes from paragraph 8 of Treatise 1 from St. Cyprian on unity. And it's important for us uh, to realize a couple of things. First of all, for you and I who are within the church, who have received the sacraments, who uh, receive the Eucharist each week, 
we have an obligation to pursue unity in the church. And I call to mind uh, that, that passage in John 6, where Jesus says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And it says a great number of his disciples were troubled, and he persisted. And it says a great number of them followed him no more. And so then he turned his attention to the 12, and he, he said, do you want to leave also? And Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And that should be our position towards the church. Yes, there are going to be some things that are troubling, uh, whether that be a, a doctrine that we don't completely understand, whether that be a, a fallen leadership, just like Peter denied Christ three times, and that's a big deal. Uh, all of these things can be troubling to us, but we have to realize, where else are we going to go? We're going to persist with the church. We're going to pursue unity, and we're going to pursue righteousness at the same time. We follow the church not because the leaders are always perfect, but because Christ promised us that he would guide the church into all truth. Now, at the same time, for those people who have grown up like I did, outside of the church, outside of the Catholic church, and, and grew up uh, from birth in a Protestant uh, denomination, they are people of goodwill who are pursuing the truth as best as they know how. And if we can approach them in the bonds of peace with, uh, with a call toward unity and find a way to walk together, just that experience of walking in unity is something, like my cousin did with me, is something that can draw them into the church. And so we don't look at them who have never been inside the church and berate them for being outside the church. Uh, that, that doesn't do anyone any good. We invite people into this unity. We invite them into conversation. We invite them into, uh, really into our lives. And through that, we invite them to see the good, the beautiful, and the true that comes through unity, even as we recognize that it's going to take quite a bit of time. So I encourage you, as we're approaching the 500th anniversary of the, the Protestant Reformation, uh, find ways to, one, inform yourself. Uh, this podcast is a great way to do it. You can get it again over at sjbcathedral.org, uh, Catholic Retrospective Podcast. Uh, there are other ways you can do it as well, but, but equip yourself to enter into conversations with Protestants uh, and, and find our places of uh, commonality, find places of conversation, and then set the record straight. They're going to have some beliefs about Catholicism that just aren't true. Don't do it in, a, in an antagonistic way, but gently answer their questions about what the Catholic Church really and truly believes, uh, and that, the good, the beautiful, and the true, will do its part to draw them closer into unity with the body of Christ. So I encourage you, prepare yourself. That anniversary is coming. Listen to the podcast, find some other way to inform yourself, and then gently and kindly engage in conversation. Today's show has been brought to you by Ryan and Sarah Jepson and all the other patrons. Find out more about how you can support the show by going to OutsideTheWalls.com and clicking that Patreon link. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.